It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. The New African Broadcast speaks to the free-thinking movement that we see emerging in the minds of today's black youth of America. African youths must be re-educated to the scientific reasoning found in natural law if this movement is to reach its full potential. Inshallah, the African American will break free of non-scientific and tribal thinking paradigms that fail to counter immoral behavior as well as limit solid economic progress in African American communities. Assalamu alaikum. Say, take the chains off me. In this modern day slave offering. I'm just trying to be free. I love life, I'm just trying to be me. And I don't really care what society says. Cause if I left it up to them, I'd probably be dead. But no, I feel the blood pumping through my veins. Like, the people need to stop and get some things right. Let's get back to the family. I don't like the news, but the news talk tragedy and politics. Red and blue, two sides with the anger. You make a vote for it, make a song that can maybe grab a quote from it. Don't let the revolution leaders ever run from it. My mind to see what comes from it. Find truth standing in the heat like the bus coming. And I don't need luck. I've been blessed from the most time. Trying to go more time. Cause the people say they want it, but the people never realize the way until it's storming. What's up? A brother, you take in the ghetto, you find a whole lot of crime. I can understand. Hey, I know what it means. That's one thing the educators and the politicians and the establishment got to remember. Now, brother, please, y'all. I'm ready for it, my focus, up. My fist in the ass so they know it's us. Young black leaders, new Africans, they can't wrap trash in some new packaging and try to sell it to me. You cool loud in the streets with a college degree, I work for it. Ain't nobody got it for me. I can give you my reality, gon' sell you a dream. I solo to the dolo, couldn't sell you a team. But I practice what I preach, I can sell a belief. Cream rise to the top, bull set up beneath. Before you jump out the block, first set of your feet and run for it. If you want it, you should go for it. Break the reverse, only go for it. Pray for it till you're so sure you walk on faith, blindfolded by the boat shore. Uh, Stevie Wonder to my worst critic. Seemed like another leaf from when I first did it. Worked all night, no sleep, put a bread on the table and the shoes on my feet. I'm so the definition of the definition. Now time I got some recognition. And I told him to take the chains off of me. And this modern day slave off of me. So you got to have mind power to deal with salvation. And that's what we're dealing with. See, we can't go back to the biblical story of two loaves of bread, or two little fishes, five loaves of bread, two little fishes, yeah. You know what? You can't eat dust. You know what? You can't eat dust. You know what? You can't eat dust. 
Assalamu alaikum. This is MD Shaheed with the new African broadcast. I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in to the new African broadcast. And I'd like to now again give everyone the greetings of peace in the Quran and Arabia language. Assalamu alaikum. You know, the world has become a really interesting place. When we look at the achievements of man over the past three to four hundred years, man's knowledge has advanced so much that the world we live in today has become very small. For example, 350 years ago, this planet we call Earth appeared huge and, and massive, and it would take months, maybe even years, for one to travel from one continent to another. And this in itself was a form of communication. In other words, communication was very slow. As we move forward or fast forward in time to maybe about 100, 120 years ago, man was able to communicate with each other around the globe in a readily fast period of time, maybe a few days to a week when you compare it to 350 years ago. Now, today, with the advances in electronics, electronic technology, with the development of satellites and semiconductors, man, within a matter of seconds, can now reach someone far across the planet. You could be living in New York City, and just in a matter of seconds, you could reach someone in Tokyo, Japan. This is due to the advancement of man's knowledge. So in essence today, the world has become one big neighborhood. And this hood includes all races and people from different ethnicities, cultures, all around the globe. Just one big neighborhood. From the holy book of the Muslim, the Quran, God says in the Quran that he created you from a single person. Yet over time, man was scattered here and fro throughout the earth. Yet men were not created to despise and hate one another but to evolve and grow over time to come and know and recognize one another as one humanity, one humanity. So you see, we have this diversity that has evolved from a small something, a diversity of man that has evolved from a small, small something of communities, societies, the populations all over the planet. 
So now today, everyone in real time has the possibility of getting to know anyone around the globe in real time with the touch of a button, with the touch of a switch. You don't even have to go anywhere anymore. You don't have to take a plane or a boat just to travel to find out about the culture and the ethnic origin and the language of other people of other countries around the planet. Just with a flip of a switch. With, with, with modern day technology, everyone or everybody can communicate with anybody. We have social media, is that right? We have the internet, email, Instagram, Twitter, Skype, faxes, and much, much, much more. All different means of communicating, reaching out, and touching someone. So this worldly neighborhood is just like one gigantic block party. And everyone wants to come and be a part of this big block party. Every man comes from his country to this block party on social media in his own colorful garment, proud to show off to other people about himself and, and what he's doing in his own country. That's what we have today. Everyone wants their 15 minutes of limelight, and they're doing it freely. You don't even have to force them to do it. You go on some of these social media sites, and people are telling you how many brothers and sisters they have, where they live at, what kind of house they live in, how many cars they got, what they ate for dinner last night, where they're going to be in 15 minutes, where they left 15 minutes ago. Everybody, what the language they speak. You can get on the Internet, you can get on the cell phone, and you can communicate with the Irishman. And the Irishman, he'll tell you about the origins of his language. And he'll tell you about the country historical facts. He'll even tell you about the country's artifacts and the contribution that Ireland has made to the world, to the advancement of society. The Englishman, he'll tell you about his historical facts and his language and his great contributions to the advancement of mankind. The Germans, they'll tell you about their history and their language. The Chinese and so on. Everyone just coming to this big party, showing up. But you, you, the black man in America of the United States, what do you bring to this party? Okay, what's your language? English? I speak English. Well, you don't look like an Englishman to me. Well, what's your history? Well, I, I came over here on slave ships and worked for plantation life, forced plantation life. Well, how do you identify? What's your culture? I'm black. You black. That's what the 
so-called black man or African-American, that's what he has to bring to this party. He, he doesn't identify. He doesn't have anything outstanding that he can bring to this party, the garments of information, of achievement, that he can wrap himself in. All other races or ethnic groups, they talk about what they've done with humanity, their heritage, the dignity of their own race, of their own person. But you, you the black man, you bring color. I'm a black man. Sure, we know the Irishman is a European. We know that the Englishman is a European, but we categorize them as white so-called white man. But the so-called white man can be subdivided into the Englishman, the Irishman. They don't have to tie themselves just to color. Don't you know black is just another color? Yeah, black is just another color. And in fact, black is not even an original color. Black is the absence of light. When we look at the rainbows or the rainbow that we find in natural phenomena, once it rains really hard and the sun comes out, we see the spectrum, what we call in science, the electromagnetic spectrum of all of the colors found in natural law. We can look at this more in a simple scientific experiment by taking a light source, even as simple as a light bulb, and let that light project that light through a prism, which is a device which will split the different wavelengths of the electromagnetic spectrum into all of the true colors of light. Ain't no black come out of, the, out of those true colors of light. Black is not even original color. No one on the continent of Africa originally called themselves black or black. And herein lies the dilemma for the African American who attempts to dignify his humanity by associating with anything of color. And particularly black color. Because black is not even a color. Black is the absence of light. What do I mean by black is the absence of light? First of all, you need to understand that color is a mere illusion of nature. Even colors are not actually real, but they are illusions of nature. We see colors because matter in nature, whether it be a rock, whether it be a plant, a flower, a fruit, an animal, an insect, because the atoms are arranged in such a molecular arrangement in the matter until all of the colors of the spectrum is absorbed except for a particular color. So when you see an object or a thing that's green, 
That means all of the colors of the electromagnetic spectrum are being absorbed except for green. When you see a thing or object that is red, that's because the molecular, the atomic molecular arrangement of the atoms are such that all of the electromagnetic spectrum of radiation, of light, is being absorbed except for red. So that's why it's red. That's why it's green. That's why object is blue. So really, that's an illusion. Black is the absence of light. An object is black when all of the light of the electromagnetic radiation spectrum is absorbed. And nothing is reflected back. And therefore, you see darkness, or you see black. Okay? But just like black is not a true color, white is not a true color either. White is a mixture of other colors. And the European skin is lighter than your skin because of the molecular arrangement of the chemical makeup in his skin does not absorb the electromagnetic radiation spectrum hardly at all. So most of the light is reflected back and you see a light skin. But all of it is an illusion. And here's the proof. I can take a black man, a so-called black man, and a so-called white man and put them both in a closed room and remove all of the light and both of them turn invisible. That's why when you wake up early in the morning and the room is completely dark or, or late in the morning hours, when I say early, I mean like 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning, and there's no light in the room. All the lights are off. All the windows are shut. The blinds are shut. You wake up, you don't see anything. Like you're invisible. So you only see what the light will allow you to observe. This is natural law. So how are you going to tie yourself to a color? It doesn't even have a reality. Has no reality. So when the African American comes to the table, when he comes to the party, the African American really does not have anything that he can present to the world that is recognized except that he used to be a slave and he can talk about his slave history and how bad he was treated and how they beat him up so bad on the plantation. That's all he can talk about. This mindset that I'm bringing to you now permeates throughout the whole African-American community. Every time something comes up, we fall back on our history of slavery. This, kind of, this type of thinking, ladies and gentlemen, is both unscientific and unnatural. Because everything in creation has an identity. The plants, we know plants have identity. We can determine what kind of plants or where the plants come by, by determining where the plants come from, how high the plants grow, the color of the plants, their characteristics, the fruit that they bear, the animals. We know there are different types of animals. Uh, there are dogs and cats and sheep and cows and kangaroos and so on and so on and we 
have give these animals identity based again on their uh, their characteristics, uh, how they interact in the world, what they eat, what geographical locations they come from. Even rocks have identity. You know, we can find out uh, or go and uh, 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 obtain different rocks from different parts of the country, different parts of the world. We can even determine and identify rocks in terms of how deep they're in the earth, how they're stratified in the, the earth's layers. We can even do that. And then there are even rocks that we identify that don't even come from the earth. They're broken up from meteorites that come in and burn up on entry through the Earth's atmosphere, and we know these rocks come from other planets. So everything has an identity. Everything. In the religious books, like the Quran and the Bible, God, Allah the Creator, gave to Adam, or if you want to say to man, the ability to name things. So now the name of the thing is to give it or to establish to it an identity. You see? That's what the name of the thing is. Yet the so-called black man in America, what's your identity? Look, ain't no African on the continent of Africa walking around with an English-speaking name named John or James. Now, I know what some of you are saying, yeah, it is, brother, because I know an African name, John and James. Yeah, that's true. But find me an African named James, and I'll show you an African that somebody been messing with. Find me an African named John, and I'll show you an African that's found himself in a peculiar situation for survival. So you see, this is a big problem for the African-American, and it's become a bigger problem for our African-American youth. So our youth today, they find themselves in a strange and peculiar situation, struggling with this identity that we've left or given to them from past slavery history. The identity that we do have only dignifies that the power that the European, the so-called white man, had over us while we were in slavery or while we were slavery people. And it was not until the emancipation of proclamation by President Lincoln that supposed to free the slaves from the plantation life in the South in 1863. It was not until then that we were supposed to have some kind of freedom. And even then, still, for another hundred years, Jim Crow laws, Jim Crow laws, still reminded us of our inferior status as a man. Segregation, color restrooms, Negroes eat in the back of the restaurant, all these were things done under Jim Crow law to remind us of our true status in spite of the fact that we were supposed to be free men and able to move throughout the society freely and progress. 
And until the civil rights movement of the late 1950s and 60s and the rise of black nationalism with the emergence of the nation of Islam, that finally the U.S. Congress began to support such legislation to protect blacks and to give them free or full citizenship in America. So it took almost 300 years, 400 years. But think and listen. In spite of all of what Congress was supposed to have done, Congress never legislated that the American or that America recognized you as a complete man removed from the two-thirds status found in the organic constitution. In the original constitution, the black man was considered two-thirds of a human, and he was nothing more than property, that he was not completely human, that he didn't have the same human desires and human sparks like all other men have. He was only two-thirds human. This is in the Constitution. And Congress, with all of his enactments, never went back and corrected that. Nor has the educational system or the religious institutions in America recognized your free man status, you being of the same human family like all other men from all other continents, capable of achieving like any other man. No, the educational system still has not done anything about it in its totality. When you go to these schools, they still teach the slavery history, how you mistreated black or mistreated person. But they don't really say you are truly a free man that the larger community finally recognized the evil of their ways and concluded that you were like all other men and they had a big meeting, a big intellectual meeting, a big conference, and they discussed it and they decided that we've been wrong for 300 years and that you are a man just like anybody else and God have mercy on our souls. They never did this. So the psychosis of the black man or the black mind is one of spiritual void, a spiritual void. The soul is incomplete and unfulfilled. Why? Every time you stop or you step up, pardon me, to the place to compete with other races or other people of different ethnic backgrounds, you feel like you're at a disadvantage. You get the feeling of not being on the same level that somehow you're going to be cheated out of what you're trying to do, that you're not going to get a fair shake, you see, or that whatever you say, you take a project in the discussion. Every time a black man tries to achieve something or some speed accomplishment that will have a major impact on society, here comes some white intellectual, some white intellectuals or white educational leaders trying to downplay the achievement of the African American. You can go and read some of the things that's out there. You can read them in books. You can read them on the Internet. You can read them on blogs where there's some so-called white intellectual 
try to downplay the achievements of Louis Latimer. That trying to downplay the achievements of a George Washington Carver. Saying that, well, you know, he came up with peanut butter, but he wasn't the first one to develop peanut butter. There was another guy 10 years earlier that developed a peanut butter spread. Well, yeah, I know it wasn't like his, but he still was before Washington, George Washington Carver. And if that argument doesn't work, then they'll go all the way back a thousand years and start talking about, well, the Romans had a form of peanut butter. They had a form of peanut butter. We know how tasteful that form of peanut butter probably was. So they'll do anything to downplay the achievements of the African American. Trying to refuse to recognize his work as a player on the worldly scene. And if they can't do that, they'll go and do more research and they use the term today, what's in bold called fact check, to show the world, and particularly their little white babies and children that know the black man, he ain't all of that. He's not that intelligent. So don't accept him. Don't be serious about what he's saying. Pardon me. So this spirit of feeling insecure about your capabilities, this inferiority complex has led to frustration, anger, and even for some of us to strike out at everything and everyone that we feel like are not giving us the respect and are sizing us up as inferior and incompetent. <clears throat> the recent situation in Ferguson, another part of the country, where the establishment, the political establishment, the law enforcement establishment did not take the African American serious about his inquest, playing us down like we don't really have a position, we automatically felt like that we were being treated like we were inferior, inferior, that we didn't matter, that we didn't count. So this led to us to strike out, and some of us even start to riot and tear up stuff. But isn't it strange that you always turn up your stuff? Why are you always tearing up your stuff? What I mean by that, you don't own, the African American does not own any real businesses in his community. He doesn't even own the small mom and pop stores. He doesn't own the, 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 the beauty shops. He doesn't own the, the, the music shops in his community. Other people from other ethnic groups own that. So he'll go and tear up his stuff. That's your stuff. Now you don't have anywhere to go to shop, buy food, buy music. So when you were spending a couple of dollars to go down the street, now you have to spend twice as much to go out of your community to get the same resources. So you see how you made life difficult for yourself? The more intelligent thing would have been to done, stop shopping there. Stop buying there. If you burn down somebody's building or their business, most likely they have insurance. 
And all they're going to do is collect the insurance money and move on. But you, you're going to be stuck with nothing. If you don't buy from them, eventually they'll go out of business on their own because they can only stay in business if they get your dollars. We've marched and we've protested and shouted out trying to influence the morality or at least trying to influence the mind of the people that we know rule the economic and political system in America calling out for justice. But again, this problem goes back to the late 60s. We've never really completed our transformation from being a second-rate citizen to a first-rate citizen. Now, I agree that time, the changing of time, the pressure of life, the change in the world power, our community leaders getting older and aged, all of this has really put us in a very difficult situation. And the reality is most of us are still struggling spiritually and mentally trying to get a foothold. Most blacks today are just waiting on a Jesus to come and save them. They've almost just given up. The time and the pressure and the change in the economic climate on the world since the 60s have pretty much just beaten the African-American down. So most African-Americans just waiting on a Jesus to come, return, and establish their humanity and to correct all the injustices that's been handed down to them by their former white slave owners. The black man has fell or fallen to a very sad state of humanity. Then there are other groups in America, so-called pan-African black progressives and intellectuals who were looking for some special supernatural event that would correct the world political and economic stage. That we're going to stay in uh, meditation and we're going to align ourselves with the stars. And when the sun aligns with the moon, a great energy is going to come down and it's going to lift us up and we're going to be finally in the position of authority. So many blacks have fallen into what I call mysticism. They have education, but it's been mixed with mysticism, witch doctor, voodoo, magic. Yeah. You see, intelligent people talking about somebody going to put a spell on them. Allah says in the Quran, never will a people change the condition of themselves until they first recognize that they are not in the spirit and right mindset. In other words, your situation is not changing because 
the African American community has failed to recognize that we're not even in the right spirit and the right mindset. How can you call on the Creator to bring you out of a situation when you won't even stand up for the basic morality and justice that you see is needed or that you see is needed in the African American community? You see somebody robbing somebody's house. You at home looking out the window, somebody robbing somebody's house. They come home to find out their house robbed. Do you see what happens? No, I ain't see nothing. You see somebody rob the store. You know this guy robbed the store. They ask you, well, do you know who robbed the store? I ain't see nothing. You know, it happened so fast, I didn't see it. Yeah, you know your child is at school acting a fool, not learning, and when they come and tell you to do something about it, you blame the education system. Your heart is not even right. Never will a lot change the condition of the people until they first change the condition in their heart. That's part of the problem. You see, that's part of the problem. And the black leadership in America refuses to address the problem. What's wrong with the black leaders pointing out to our black youth the glorious history on our continent of Africa? We can't even get the black leadership to point to Africa. The establishment has made it such that you are afraid to even associate with Africa. They show you pictures of little black African children walking around skinny with big bellies, starving to death, flies or, or fleas flying all around them, so they look like they're on the verge of death, walking around with no clothes on. It started with Tarzan, king of the jungle. Then it moved all the way up to the day where we have the uh, comic book heroes that are all European-looking and very few of any comic book heroes that are African-looking. So now you feel like you don't want to be associated with that because that shows you a sign of inferiority. So our leadership is afraid to point you to the history of Africa and you are afraid to associate with Africa because you don't want to accept the fact that you're African. I ain't African. I'm American. You know, you know, you got an American name, but you don't have the European culture. You got a European name, but you try to take on European culture, the European language, the European mode of thinking, and then you wonder why you all screwed up. But you're not African. You are African in America. That's one of your problems. Your European come over here, he know he's from Ireland, he's not an American. But if you go to his house, he got Ireland all over his wall. He got Irish, Irish, Irish flags all over his wall. The German got German flags all over his wall. You come in your house, you got John F. Kennedy, Martin Luther King, and, and, and Bobby Kennedy on your wall. And maybe some of you might have Malcolm. That's all you have. And it all relates to slavery. That's your identity. So you don't want to connect with Africa, and the leadership don't want you to connect with Africa because they stand to lose income, money, 
the poor. They have our children thinking that the people of ancient Egypt were people of European ancestry or what we call white people. Not just the white man in America. I'm talking about the black leadership. Why don't they come out and say, oh, no, this book's wrong, man. I'm talking about the black leadership in Congress, the black leadership in your state legislation. Legislation. When they come up every year and they have different uh, legislation that pertains to education, why are they not fighting it? So they got our little babies, black babies, thinking that possibly Egyptians were white. They give so much information on the artifacts of Egypt, but it, the information is such that it's confusing and it's always open to debate. So some black, some pan Africans say, well, no, we, we, we black, Africans, black, we know, and they give a lot of information. Then the white people come by, the white man come by, or the so-called pro-white man come out and all the Egyptians, they were white. They even made a movie recently, Exodus, which tells the tale of the prophet Moses, the Musa, leading his people out of Egypt. And the people of Egypt in the movie is depicted as white people, as white Egyptians. The movie even alleges that the Jews or the Israelites built the pyramids. In Egypt, and not black people. Now, this is a subject that we can go into and talk for hours. And we clearly show that the African people were black people with dark skin, and that the African people built the pyramids. But that's another topic of discussion. We want to stay on point. But our leadership should be able to let our youth know. We don't have to go back 5,000 years. Africa has a history that's not open to debate, that no one can circumvent with improper knowledge, that's clear in the channels of everybody's intellectual, the intellectual, educational minds of the world. The great Muslim empires of Africa, Mali, Shanghai, Ghana, helped establish new advancements for man. It had an impact that even changed the whole European scene. When Europe was in the dark ages, Africa was in the light. Black people, black just like you and me, blacker than you and me. Some of them black until they look blue, were making advancements in knowledge and, and technology and Education, while the European was still trying to survive the bubonic plague. Why won't the black Christian leaders and the black educational leaders inform the little black children about how the Africans of the continent led the whole world into the light of knowledge of medicine, astronomy, and so on? Yes, the whole world. The so-called white Europeans were in a very, very bad situation during the time of the great African Empire. This is 
real history. The, the black Africans known to the Europeans as the Moor introduced silk, the silk industry to Europe. They also in agriculture introduced rice, the cultivation of rice and sugarcane and dates and ginger and even strawberries. The great city Cordova was built like a modern city the Africans, the Moors, they came from Africa and went into Spain and built great cities. One of them was called Cordova. It was built like a modern city. They won't tell you this. The streets were paved, just like paved, like they are today. And they had raised sidewalks so the pedestrians can walk on. And at nighttime, you could walk more than 10 miles. And the whole street was lit up with lamps. The whole street, like a modern city. The population of Cordova was over 1 million people, 200,000 homes, 800 public schools, numerous colleges and universities. This all was in the 10th century, even long before Columbus supposedly sailed the seven seas. The Africans were already developing nations, societies, Civilized world. But there were more great cities. Toledo, Seville, Granada, and I can go on and on and on. During this time in Spain, and the under the influence of the Moors, 99% of all the Moors were, were literate, whereas 99% of all the U Europeans were illiterate. Man, they could not read and could not write. Now today, you can't read and write. Huh? Something strange with that. Don't you know that even Jewish scholars studied under the Moors? And then they went back to England and set up a scientific school, later to become known as Oxford University, the most prestigious university in the U.K., yeah, this is the more. This is the great history of the African American. Okay, what about you? Say okay, but what about Africa? You talking about the Moors did something in Europe? What about Africa, brother? Okay, let's look at Africa. Europe would have never came about if it had not earlier been originally been for Africa, from Egypt in 850 to 950 A.D. Abu Kamil developed what we know today as algebra from an earlier Muslim mathematician to a higher level that we, we see used today in textbooks. Now, the Muslims had already developed algebra. But a black African, a black so-called African Muslim, Abu Kamil, developed it to an even higher level. And that's the level that we see used today in our school textbooks. From Tanzania, Abu Farid Hamid, Completely describe the diseases like smallpox, measles, the common cold. All this happened around 890 A.D. He described it and then developed remedies for it. Then there was the great Songhai Empire, Mali Empire, Ghana Empire in West Africa between the 9th and 16th centuries. Yes, 
We talked about this earlier, but let me go in a little more detail now. As the bubonic plague was killing off more than one in three Europeans, the West African empires was developing to the richest countries or empires on the face of the planet. The same Korea University became the dwelling place for scholars and teachers around the world. Scholars and teachers from around the world came all to St. Carl so they can study from the Africans, the African Muslims. It was here that the first libraries known in history were created. So you developed the library system. You did. Now some of you all don't even want to read. You ought to be shaming yourself. The great city of Timbuktu was developed. The city of Dejanese. The unique city of Dejanese also had a university, Dejanese. It boasted a thousand teachers, and there is documented history that surgeons routinely perform medical operations to correct cataracts. Cataracts. This is 800 years, 900 years before the advance of the great European nation. Timbuktu, the University of Timbuktu. Maybe you've heard Timbuktu. People might want to say it's a legend, but it's a fact. In West Africa, Timbuktu University had 25,000 students. The students, before they could graduate, had to write what is known today as a thesis or a dissertation. This is 800 years ago. So you can't even become a doctor with a PhD or a scientist with an MS unless you either write a thesis or a dissertation. You have to do a whole lot of research. And then from there, you have to categorize your research. And then you have to compare your research with what is found in the literature. And then you have to publish that information before the university fellows. If they, think, if they think or feel like you've done an excellent job, then they will anoint you with a master's or a Ph.D. And this was going on 800 years ago in Timbuktu University. Students study astronomy, astrology, botany, geography, literary analysis, mathematics, medicine, music, rhetoric, and so on, and so on. That is the great history of the African people. Okay? Now, some of you may not want to accept completely what I'm saying because you Christian. And you're not trying to associate yourself with Muslims, you see? You Christian. And that uh, I've done some studies, brother. And they said that all of the slaves that were brought over here were not Muslim. You're right. In fact, if you do a scholarly review of the African slave trade of the peoples, indigenous people of Africa brought to the Americas, you will find out that most of the slaves brought to the Americas were not even Muslims. 
They were not even Muslim. Only about 5% to 7% of the total slaves brought to the Americas were Muslims. Now, I know some people are going to have a debate with that. Some Muslims. And we can't do that in some future day and time. But on this show, I'd like to stick to what we're driving at. So most of the Muslims or most of the African slaves were not Muslims, but they weren't Christians either. So, so much for that. Most of the African slaves brought to the Americas practice what modern-day scholars and historians would classify, historians would classify as pagan or animist worship. You see? Pagan or animist worship. In other words, you were praying to or worshiping or giving power to objects, rocks, you know, uh, or you were giving power to the, the fire or the water or, or you, you maybe it was a bone, a couple of bones that you thought had power and you stream around your neck and, and, and that was your worship and, and from that you could get great power and you can get power of your enemy. This is what majority of the African slaves brought to the Americas for worshiping. And I don't want to talk completely about this subject or this particular part of the subject that we're discussing about the African, most of the Africans being uh, from pagan and animist, but there is clear evidence in even how we act with each other right now in America. When you were growing up, maybe some of you that's 30 or 40 or 50 or 60, and even some today young people, you ever notice sometimes when somebody come around, another black come around, and for some reason you just start talking about, I don't like that brother. I don't like that sister. Like, well, what's wrong with it, brother? Man, I don't know, but I don't like him. What's wrong with the sister? I just can't stand her. You don't even know her. Don't you know that's something you put on in your historical DNA? You didn't like her when you was over in Africa. That's why you got so much tribalism. When a man doesn't have control of his intellect and his spirit acting in unity, when you put him under pressure, he's going to fall back on the knowledge that he has contained in his natural DNA from history. So if you was a tribal person in Africa, not getting along with the blue Fuju and the, and the, and the, uh, uh, the Ibu, uh, of the Igbo, of the rather, pardon me, uh, if you wouldn't get along with the Fulani, if you couldn't get along with the people of Tanzania, or the people of Tanzania couldn't get along with the people of Kenya, don't you know you're going to have that same issue over here when you run into somebody who have similar DNA clocked into their gene pool in America from Kenya, and you have the DNA clocked in your gene pool from Tanzania? You think there's a reason why you, you think there's a mystical problem why you can't get along in America? You weren't getting along in, in Africa. 
that's how the white man was able to bring you over here. Because you was in disunity over there and you're in disunity over here. And he feeds your disunity. And that's why you can't ever get together. But if we go back to the scientific pattern of thinking that helped us establish the great empire, that helped us progress moves in Africa, maybe we'll be able to establish in this world individually and collectively our natural self and to head out the catastrophic state that we find us in right now today. I actually brought it for my daughters. They, and my daughters really, my their hair has gotten so much thicker, it's gotten longer, and they feel, it's like they had a ball, like ball spots on the side of their head. But um, ever since uh, we've been using it, they, no more, their hair has actually grown. Excel Nutraceuticals all-natural base HGS has been scientifically developed for the control of eczema of the scalp and hair regrowth. For more information, go to www.xcel-n.com. Yes, hi. My name is Carmen. About a year ago, I had ordered three of the jars of the Excel HGS, and I'm here to tell you, Oh, it really, really worked. It stopped my hair from thinning out. My hair is just beautiful, and I'm just so very well pleased. Nutraceuticals, all natural products. Call today at 1-800-977-3981. Yeah, this is Donald from San Antonio. I gave her a bath, and we started rubbing her down with um, with the XLSO, and she has had complete, complete moisture in her skin ever since. Excel Nutraceuticals all-natural base SO has been scientifically developed for the management of eczema and psoriasis. For more information, go to xcel-n.com. My name is uh, Dr. Karen Holly, and I am the senior pastor at Lifeway Church, and I'm also a psychological therapist. My grandson, Christian Turner, and he uses SO, and he has eczema, and so it's just worked wonderfully for him. Tried bump stop. I've tried all kind of stuff. <laughs> By my skin, you would never believe. Uh, people don't believe anymore that I used to have hair bumps except my friends. It cleared it up. No more dry patches. Even the the patches that would come around. Nutraceuticals, all natural products. Call today at one eight hundred nine seven seven three nine eight one. The new African broadcast is sponsored by XL Nutraceuticals. XL Nutraceuticals produces and manufactures all natural products that help promote clear skin and healthy hair growth. Visit XL Nutraceuticals at www.xcel-n.com or call 1-800-977-3981. And now, back to the new African broadcast. No one is asking the black leadership, the black politicians, the black religious leaders, the black scholars, no one is asking them to become Muslim. That's not what we're asking you to do. You don't have to do that. You can stay Christian. Allah says in the Quran, had I wanted everyone to be Muslim, I could have easily made all mankind to turn toward the way of Islam. But I made mankind to know and grow one another, not to despise one another. So the Muslim, at the day of rebuttal, 
you will be judged by his book. The Christian will be judged by his book. The Jew will be judged by his book. And the Sabian will be judged by his book. Again, Allah says in the Quran that man has been created to evolve into one big family. Man was created from a single soul. So the God, the creator, has given men all over the globe the opportunity to grow, to evolve, expand, as if in a race, as in a competition, and demonstrate to the world what he can achieve. The white man has not always been on top. This we know this from history. Allah has given every race, every ethnic group, a place of dignity in the human family of man. The European man in his day has had his glory. The man of Asia and the many nations of Asia in their day had their glory. The man of Africa, he's had his glory. Yes, he has. He's had his glory. Just study the annals of history, and you'll see how the African-American has affected and has impacted, or the African me, has impacted the whole world. This is the issue at hand, that we have to go back to the common sense scientific thinking that we first developed in the universities in the halls of Africa. This is what was needed to resurrect and redirect the energy of our black youth. Don't you know you developed a scientific method before the Muslims, the philosophers of Europe and time gone by thought that you could just go in and think and once you intellectually thought of a thing and rationalized it, that that end should be the answer. They did not use the scientific method. But it was the Muslim, and particularly the Muslim of Africa, who helped promote and further develop the scientific method that we use today. Jesus said, quoting the Bible, Know ye the truth, and the truth will set you free. And the same thing is mentioned in Quran when God says, when truth comes, it knocks the brains out of falsehood. So what is the truth? Physical matter has been evolving itself since the time that the creator set it in motion. Don't think that there was one big bling bling and everything was in exact. Everything has it been evolving from an inferior state to gradually a superior state. And this evolution has taken millions of years. The plants, the animals, and yes, even you, man, you have been evolving too. But the thing that separates you from the other animals is your ability to reason and to accept 
or reject natural law. This is the big missing quality that keeps the religious order and the intellectual order constantly bickering against one another. True, it is the man's ability to think on a higher level than the other animals that are similar but not exactly in structure or statue like the man that makes him stand out over all other creatures on the planet. You can teach the chimpanzee how to do some things, but he'll never be able to do them like the thinking man that we are today. But it's not necessarily our ability to outthink the apes, the chimps, and other species that separates us from the mammals. It is our ability to accept and reject even natural law. And there is the difference between you and other creatures. You don't have to be a man. Though you came into this world as a male, you can say, I'm a a female. You don't have to be a female. You can say, I want to be a male. You don't have to do a whole lot of thinking. You can just follow a certain pattern. Even though natural law has brought you into here, in this reality, as a male or female. The animals can't get out of natural law. You take a tiger out of Africa and put him in Los Angeles, you can put him in a zoo, you can raise him to he from a kitten, a kitty, a, a cat, whatever you want to call it. You can pet him and feed him with a box. Here, kitty, kitty, here, kitty, kitty. When he grows up, if you slip up one day and walk in there, you might be his lunch. That's natural law. The ape, you can raise the ape and play with him and feed him and teach him even try how to write his name with his toes. But one day, you going in the wrong way or approaching the wrong way, and he'll allowed to snatch your head off. Because other creatures are contained by the gravity of natural law. But the human being has get, been given the authority to rise above natural law. In spite of his thinking capacity, because he can actually go down and act like an ape. And some of these people nowadays are acting like apes. They've rejected the guidance of God so long that they've just been reduced to apes. Everything is about survival. I got to eat. I got to sleep and make me some babies. So science is telling us that there's a certain order in physical matter. In order to obtain the knowledge from that order, you have to have a certain rules or pattern of thinking in order to extract that information from physical reality so that you can use it to advance yourself to a higher level. So when you see reality, you make what's called an observation. You see that it's that the uh, the lightning came down out of the sky and it hit the tree and the tree fell down on the ground. That is an observation. 
okay? You first make an honest observation. But because of the observation, there exists in the human essence, the human DNA, a drive to learn more about that thing or that chain of events that he just observed. So now he starts to think about how come the lightning came down and hit the tree? Or how come certain events happen? He begins to postulate, well, maybe it's because of this, and maybe it's because of that, or maybe it's because of this over here, or maybe it's because of that. Now you will generate what's called a hypothesis of what might actually be occurring. And from a hypothesis, now you're really being pushed to see whether or not it really is. Because there's a drive inside the human mind to see what really is. That's why you get so excited when you don't know something and somebody tells you a great event's going to happen or a big event's going to happen in your life and you want to know what it is. You start putting, what do you get me for my birthday? What do you get? You want to know what it is. What did you get me for this holiday? You want to know what it is. What did you get me for Ramadan gift? You want to know what it is. The child want to know what it is. That's the period drive when you have children because they want to know everything. So then you start to come up with ways of evaluating what you think it is. And man over time has developed what we call experiments. Benjamin Franklin supposedly tried to fly a kite to see can he grab some lightning out of the heaven. Professor Telfer uses certain electricity and electromagnetic uh, equipment trying to produce uh, electrical energy. Energy that can be used indefinitely. You start developing uh, ways of trying to determine whether or not what you think is real is real. And so you do what's called experimentation. And then once you do the experimentation, you finally get your results. You say, okay, I know what it is. When it gets the storm, the clouds get really stormy. There's some type of interaction going on in the heavens. And it produces a ball of light. And that light is so powerful, it can knock down a tree. In fact, I've seen it knock down mountains. That's what the man of old eventually came to understand about natural law. And from there, he can say, okay, maybe can I find something in nature that can emulate what I see in the heavens? And so he begins to look and see and search until he sees that there are certain substances, a certain element or mineral that conduct electricity, what we now call electricity. And he can see the fire that comes about because of this experimentation with different elements by mixing them together in certain ratios of proportion and producing this electrical activity. This is the scientific method, and this is the pattern, and this is the way that you gain information in a truthful and unbiased manner if you follow the way straight. So knowing the truth 
Knowing the truth don't mean knowing a bunch of books, some hidden books, some secret books that somebody's keeping from black people, that they hide not history from us, that there's some secret scroll and that is in in uh, in Fort Knox or in the Department of Justice or in the Department of Defense or in the Vatican. That's not knowing the truth. Knowing the truth is to understand that all knowledge, all original knowledge, all knowledge that's proper for your advancement and your well-being comes from nature, comes from physical reality, and the only way that you are going to get to it is by following the pattern of scientific thinking. And the pattern of scientific thinking is a revelation that came down from the Creator. Because man had to be directed to that mode of thinking. He always was getting information from creation. The information was just uh, misguided. He looked at creation without using the proper thinking mode. He'll come up to us. He'll think he's God pretty soon. If he's not careful, he'll think the lightning bolt is God, or the sun is God, or the rain is God, or he'll think he's God. Once he thinks he's been able to utilize all of the physical phenomenon that he's seen affected him, he'll say, I've conquered all these things. Hell, I'm the God. But if you use the proper thinking from revelation, you will always stay on a pattern that will take you straight to the path you're looking for. And that is what's going to set you free. Because by looking at reality like this, in the light of what I've said, no one will be able to sell you a piece of BS. No one can come to you and say they to God because you can put them to the test. Okay, brother, we're going to run some tests. No one will be able to tell you that the rock is the God or the sun is the God. Hell, you won't even be able to tell yourself you God because you'll put yourself to the test. And if you do that, you'll stay on the straight path. And by staying on the straight path, you will be able to now resolve, solve some of the ills some of the problems is affecting the African-American, the black man in America today. I hope you understand what I'm saying. You cannot resolve the issues that we have today by witch doctor, by voodoo, by playing card tricks, magic, by calling on false deities or any deity that's not in line with natural law. The creator has created man, all men, white men, black men, yellow men, all men under natural law. And the other societies that have become great, they've recognized this and used this and they've made their societies great. They have great impact on the world. The Europeans recognized this. He learned it from the more. Then he conspired with some other entities and fell into the concept of manifest destiny. He started believing that it was his destiny to go out and conquer the world and also enslave everybody that didn't look like him, or at least put them on his foot. The Chinese, they also used this type of thinking. And we had the great dynasties of the Chinese Empire lasted over a thousand years, some historical say. Then we had Africa. The Muslims. And if you want to go back to the Egyptians, they had it too. 
But if you don't stay in line with what has been promulgated down to man for what is proper and what is straight, eventually you're going to lose it. And that's what happened to the African, and that's what happened to America if we don't straighten up. Peace and blessings on you. As-salam alaykum. You have been listening to the New African Broadcast, a media program dedicated to the consciousness and the positive moral growth of the black youth of America. Thank you for giving us your attention and tune in to our next broadcast. Assalamu alaikum. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.